Okay, welcome back. Let's learn a little bit. Parshas uh, Re'eh. Today's going to be a little bit different. Usually we like to take a series of psukim. Today we're going to really only learn two psukim, but these are uh, very significant psukim, beautiful psukim. They have a lot to teach us in many different areas. And so we'll take a little journey through, uh, through the Gemara, through Halacha, to try to understand uh, this. And this is the concept of uh, ex- um, excessive grieving, mourning. Uh, for a loss beyond that which is acceptable. And this is a very interesting halacha that the Torah is going to teach us, that there's a concept of mourning, there's a concept of grief, we know, there's a concept of kriya, when a, a, a person loses a loved one, we, we rip our clothing, we sit shiva, there's a whole process for grief. The Torah teaches us in two different places, once in Sefer Vayikra, which we learned already, and now again here in Moshe's final speeches here in Sefer Devarim, that there is a limit. There is something which goes beyond what's acceptable to mourn or grieve the loss of a loved one. And what's going to be fascinating about these psukim that we'll read is not just the essence of the law itself, but we're going to see uh, three points that need to be addressed. One is the way the halacha is introduced, what the Torah precedes the halacha with, what it uh, concludes with, that after it teaches us this halacha, it then has an additional phrase. And then we need to see the, what seems to be a totally uh, irrelevant or you know, out of left field drasha that the Gemara derives from this law, which seems to have nothing to do with it, and try to put it all together into an understanding of what it is that the Torah wants to teach us. So let's take a look at the two psukim that we'll read, the beginning of Perak Yud Dalit, it's on the screen in front of you. Torah begins, you are children to Hashem. You may not cut yourself, nor may you literally pull the hair out, create a bald spot in between your eyes in your, on your head, because of somebody who has passed on. So here we have two halachas in the Pasuk. One is not allowed to excessively grieve in two ways. One is that you're not allowed to cut yourself, which was a practice which I believe is still sometimes even done all the way until today in certain uh, cultures, uh, to literally draw blood, to cut oneself out of grief of mourning for the loss of a loved one. And one is not allowed to do that. Lo go to do. And then the second phrase, lo tasimu karcha bein eneichem. You're like, you can't pull out your hair uh, out of grief, where you literally are at the point of, of yanking your own head and pulling out hair, making a bald spot. Both of those are considered uh, inappropriate. Now, Rashi already points out, <coughs> excuse me, as I mentioned a moment ago, that these halachas were actually taught already in Sefer Vayikra. In Sefer Vayikra, where it was taught, it was taught to Kohanim. This was a specific law to the Kohanim, that a Kohen was not permitted to do any of these two things. And here, as the Gemara explains and Rashi quotes, the Torah repeats this halacha, Moshe repeats this to us, to include, Banim atem l'ashem al-kechem. all of you are like children to Hashem, meaning even though this was taught before, but it was taught specifically in the context of Kohanim, amongst many unique laws that apply to the Kohen. Here, this, these sets of laws of not excessively grieving or mourning is a Jewish law that that applies to everyone. All of you are like children to Hashem. All of you are included within this halacha. No one is allowed to excessively grieve beyond that which the Torah gives us. 
Torah then concludes, Ki am Hashem because you are a sanctified nation to Hashem. Hashem and from you, Hashem chose from all the other nations to be His treasured people. Asher al all the nations in the world. Hashem chose you. You are sanctified. Now, that Pasuk, the second Pasuk, is a beautiful Pasuk, that we're a holy nation, we're a sanctified nation, and Hashem chose us from amongst all the nations of the world to be His treasured people. The question that we need to address is, within the confines of this particular halacha of not excessively grieving, not cutting ourselves, not pulling out hair from our heads out of, in mourning and in grief, the Torah introduces it with the phrase of, you are children to Hashem, which again, a beautiful idea, but that could have been expressed in numerous different areas. Why specifically is this halacha taught in that context of, you are children to Hashem? And then why do we conclude this halacha with, you're a treasured nation? Hashem chose you from all the, the beautiful ideas. What does it have to do with this specific halacha that here Moshe chooses to begin and to end his discussion with this idea? Much to discuss. Let's take a look. Let's start with Rashi. Rashi tells us, what does it mean that we are uh, children? Because you are children, Tashem. Therefore, it is befitting you that you should be literally beautiful, um, put together, refined. And not cut and bald. Meaning, Rashi starts by saying... The reason why the Torah highlights that you are children, Tashem, is a similar. You're a prince. You are a princess. You have to recognize that. You have to walk around and carry yourself in a way that expresses the royalty that you are. And just like it would be inappropriate for a prince or a princess to walk around the kingdom looking disheveled, looking cut up, with bald spots because of hair that has been pulled out, so Rashi starts the discussion that we'll have with, you are bonim atem l'ashem alokeichem. You're like children to Hashem. Therefore, you can't walk around in a certain way. It's simply inappropriate. The Mishnah, by the way, in Pirkei Avos, right away says, Chavivin Yisrael. You need to know how beloved you are. Shinikroim bonim lamakum. That you're called children to Hashem. This idea that this Pasuk defines us as children. Many of the classic... Uh, writers, uh, poets over the years have constructed uh, ideas around this pasuk of the relationship between Hashem and the Jewish people as a relationship between a father and a son. Hashem here, Moshe calls us, and as the Mishnah Pergevus that I just started saying, Chavivin Yisrael, we are so beloved that we are called children. And then the Mishnah says, and there's an extra measure of love that Hashem has for us that He told us that that we are his children. It would have been enough if it was just objectively true that he looked at us like children, but he told us it too. And that's an additional level of love, the Mishnah in Perkei says, that Hashem not only loves us, but he told us that we are his children. And as Rashi starts our conversation, therefore, you, you have to carry yourself. It's not right that you should look a certain way all cut up or bald as children of Hashem. The Ibn Ezra comments, taking this to the next level of the significance of the connection between being called children of Hashem and not being allowed to cut ourselves, the Ibn Ezra says a very powerful idea. And he says as follows, 
You have to know that you are children to Hashem. Hashem loves you more than a father would love his son. That's why you can't cut yourself. Not just, like Rashi says, it doesn't look right. It's not appropriate that a prince should walk around in such a manner. But that the Torah is highlighting, you know why I told you that you can't cut yourself? Because you are my son and you have to know that you are my children. Everything that I do is litov. The Ibn Ezra here borrowing the phrase from the Gemara, everything that Hashem does litova of it is for our own good. And if you say, what do you mean this is for my own good? How could this possibly be for Rogue? I've suffered a loss. I suffered a tragedy. I'm in mourning. I'm, in gr- I- I'm grieving. How can you say this is for my own good? What good could there possibly be in this? Which is the most natural question that a human being would ask at a time of loss. Says the Ibn Ezra, And if you don't understand... That's why the Torah introduces this mitzvah with banim, your sons. Kasher lo yavinu habanim aktanim ma'aseavihem. Children, young children, do not understand the actions of their fathers. They don't understand. And we take simple examples of why, why. Why are you making me go to bed? Why can't I eat ice cream for dinner? Why can't I play in the street, uh, you know, with my ball? The father says, you can't do this. Mother says, it's not healthy. Child, I don't understand. We could take, I've given this example many times before, it goes much deeper than that. If, uh, you know, we're, we're in the midst of the, hopefully the end of a pandemic and all we talk about are vaccinations. Um, so, uh, you know, the vaccinations, have, the concept has been around for a very long time. And when we take, a, a cha- most of them are given to children when they're very, very young, you know, for, uh, for polio, measles, and all these things we've gotten rid of because of vaccines. When, a, when a, a mother brings her newborn baby to the, to the doctor for its, its shots and its vaccinations. That newborn child, a few months old, can't speak, obviously. But if it could, the newborn baby would, would see itself being handed over from its mother's loving arms to some nurse or doctor that the baby doesn't recognize. And then the nurse or doctor takes out this long needle and pokes it. And the baby yells out and cries in pain. And then what's the first thing that happens after the baby yells out and cries in pain? Mom takes the baby back and tries to soothe, the, the, tries to soothe the, it, it, her, her baby. And if the baby could speak, the baby would say, what, what are you doing? You're the one who gave me to this beast monster who just did this to me. Now you're taking me back and trying to soothe me. Don't give it to her in the first place. If you never would have given it to me, I don't want to have this problem. And if, if mom and baby were to have such a conversation, the mother would say, I know my tire kinderlach. I know, I know this hurts. I'm saving your life. The diseases that I'm preventing you from having by giving you these vaccinations now are going to save your life down the road. And it's something that I need to do. So I, I, I gave you over to the nurse, to the doctor to do this. And then as soon as you yelped in pain and it was over, of course I'm the first one to take you back and to try to soothe you and soothe the pain that you're in. But it was something that you needed. Now that very simple a parable defines in ways in which we still don't understand how can, we can understand, of course, the shot is good for the child. How can this loss that I suffered possibly be for my own good? And it is beyond their comprehension. And believe you me, I am not going to offer any understanding. I don't have any. None of us do. It's not just like the baby with the shot that, oh, one day we'll understand. One day, maybe, but in our lifetimes, as things are right now, there are things we just, we, we just don't understand at all.
Ibn Ezra says that's why it's in this Pasuk of excessive grief where a Jew suffers a loss, wants to cut themselves, wants to pull out their hair, is so torn about whatever just happened, the Torah introduces it, Banim Atem LaHashem Elokechem. Like a son, a baby, a child does not understand what the parents are doing. Rak Yismechu Allah. They just, they rely on their fathers. They rely on their mothers that they're doing what's best for them even though they don't understand. That's why the Torah specifically introduces this particular mitzvah with the phrase of, you are children Tashem. There's a second phrase after this Pasuk, of, after the Torah tells, tells us you can't excessively mourn or grieve, ki am kadosha, like we read, you're a holy nation, Tashem, and Hashem chose you from amongst all the other nations. The Ramban adds on that, why, why is this here now, that you're a holy nation, Tashem, and you've been chosen? So the Ramban adds, this is adding lefidaiti, says this is the Ramban now, ki tam am kadosh, the reason why Hashem, Moshe explains to us that you're a holy nation, this is our guarantee, our promise that Moshe is giving us that the soul remains forever. That the nefesh remains before Hashem. You are a sanctified holy nation and a sanctified holy nation. Because you're a holy. And the treasure of Hashem. He will not leave you forever, but instead takes the neshama back to from where it came. And therefore, ein roi lachem al nefesh. That's why it's not appropriate to cut yourself or excessively grieve, because it, it's that form of grief is a lack of understanding of the eternity of the soul. In this world, we were just separated from a loved one. And so we grieve, we mourn the pain. Am Kadosh, don't forget, Moshe tells the people, you are a sanctified nation and you are a treasure, Tashem. And the neshama that just separated from us in this world is still in existence and will always be in existence. And therefore, you can't excessively grieve that which still exists. Yes, you, we can't have it anymore in this world, but it's still in existence, and therefore, ein roi lachem. It's not appropriate to grieve that way. Afilu yomus benoar, says the Ramban, even rachman olatzlan, we should be spared from ever such tragedies, even if a person passes away in their youth, where the grief is unbearable. This is the source, the Ramban says, that Moshe tells us, but that soul returns to the Ribbon Shalom in Shemaim and continues to exist. And that's why we can't excessively mourn. The Ramban says, well, then you might say, well, you shouldn't cry at all then. No, says the Ramban. No, 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 no. Of course the Torah doesn't forbid tears. The Torah doesn't forbid crying. Just the opposite. Of course, the most natural thing to do is to cry. When beloved people separate, even just for a month's time in this world, for sure, when death comes, of course we cry. We mourn, we rip our clothing, we sit shiva, we grieve. It's the excessive element of the cutting and harming oneself. That's what's not acceptable, says the Ramban, says the really Moshe. And as Rabban adds, the Torah is telling us on both sides of this. A, you have to understand you are children, Tashem. He loves you more than a father loves the children. He told you how much he loves you. 
sometimes children don't understand what a father does, and you have to understand your sanctified holy treasure to people, Tashem, and that neshama that we lost here in this world, we lost the goof, the body in this world, the neshama is before him, lenetzach, for eternity, and therefore it's, you, you can't overdo that form of grief. That's how the Rishonim understand the, the, the surrounding, the bookmarking, uh, bookending of this mitzvah of prohibition of not excessively grieving with the children of Hashem and uh, the fact of being a sanctified uh, holy nation. The Gemara makes a, a seemingly fantastic drasha from this Pasuk as well. The phrase the Pasuk uses of, of not cutting oneself is lotis go to do. You see there a Pasuk Aleph on the top of your page. Lotis go to do. Do not create a cut. When the Torah referred to this in Sefer Vayikra, for the Kohanim, as we mentioned, it used a different phrase of lo yisritu saratas. Also means do not cut yourself. So the Gemara is a drasha. Why then does the Torah specifically use this word of lo go to do, um, to cut yourself, which already had a different word used of saratas. And go to do, an aguda actually has an, a, a second meaning. Sometimes you find words which have two different meanings. The word aguda, Aguda actually means a bundle, a, like a bundle, agudat ezov, like a bundle of the hyssop branches that are used. The Torah describes that many different times. So the Gemara says, what does it mean, lotis go to do? Do not make, if you translate it literally, not just do not cut yourself, but do not make for yourself a bundle. So the Gemara Masechaz Yavama says, Lotasu agudos agudos. You cannot make amongst the Jewish people different bundles. What would it mean to look to make different bundles amongst the Jewish people? There's a Beisdin in a, in a city. Half of the Beisdin rules like Beishamai. Half of the Beisdin rules like Beishilo. And now we have in a single town coming out of the single Beisdin Two different customs, two different ways of doing things. These people follow half of the Beisdin and do like Beis Shammai. These people are doing like Beis Hillel. You're not allowed to do that. You cannot have in a single place bundles and bundles. It looks like there are two different Torahs that were given. These people are doing it like this and these people are doing it like that. Can't be. If there's a Beisdin in town, the Beisdin must rule in a, must rule in a uniform way and everyone follows the Beisdin. Now, in practical terms, this is a very complicated halacha to understand because after all, we're, everybody's got a different minion. You go to a shul, this one does like this and this one does like that. We have Ashkenazim, we have Svardim, we have the Hasidim, we have the Israelis do one way, the North America, like we've become what we're not supposed to have become. We've become agudot, agudot. We've become bundles and bundles. Everybody's doing like they're supposed to do and we're really not supposed to do that. There's a remnant of this halacha uh, for example, uh, there are different minhagim about wearing tefillin on Cholomoed. So ideally, when the poskim discuss the various minhagim, many from the Hasidic background don't wear tefillin, many do wear tefillin on Cholomoed, it shouldn't be in the same shul that it's interspersed. Some do and some don't. And not even, even in this we sometimes mess up and everybody, it's, it's, it's like people do and people don't. But that's supposed to be separate. There should be a tefillin minion. And none. Shouldn't be agudos agudos. It shouldn't be that you're making one like bundles. Like they're two different Torahs and everybody's doing their own thing. The, the bigger discussion, which is not for now, is that, well, how did it come to be that we have so many different minhag and we've, we, we're, we've become this? It's a big discussion as to how, how that happens, that we now we follow all these different minhag. We're really not supposed to. Lotasu agudos agudos, because the puzzle says lotus go to do. 
The morale takes up the issue of, okay, very beautiful drasha, that really with it coming out of a single based din, at least you can have two different groups coming out of the same based din, and some follow like this and some follow like that. Shouldn't be like that. But he says, but what does it have to do with the main meaning of the Pasuk? Whenever you find the drasha, it has to somehow fit in with the simple meaning of the Pasuk. The Pasuk is, don't cut yourself. How do you derive from a mitzvah of not cutting yourself for the loss of a beloved one, from there you get a basin can't split itself into two different, two different groups. Says the Maral, uh, two things. Number one, he says, first of all, it makes perfect sense. Because what does it mean when you cut yourself? What, what you're doing is, The cutting of oneself takes a, a smooth skin, so to speak. That's one unit. And when you cut it, so if you can imagine what happens when you cut, uh, imagine cutting a piece of chicken or a piece of, of meat. So you've taken what's a single thing, and by splitting it, you've now created it into two. The skin is no longer whole or smooth. So too, when the Torah says, don't cut yourself for grieving purposes, if a basin in the same city were to rule from coming out of the same basin, two different rulings, half like Beisilel, half like Beishamai, it's as if you split that which is the single unit of the community, represented by the single basin in town. That's really the difference. In our world, we have two different basins in town. We have the Ashkenazic basin, we have the Sardic basin, we have the Hasidic basin. So everyone's doing like what, but within one basin, you can't split up into different bundles because that's exactly like what happens when you cut your flesh for a mace. You take that which should be whole and smooth and attached and you separate it into two. Then he adds a much more uh, esoteric, uh, Kabbalistic approach as follows. He, and he explains, remember, remember what the opening Pasuk was of this, like we've spoken about, Banim Atem Lashem Elokechem, your children to Hashem. And Moral explains, and this is using his own unique language, which he developed. He says, Ki Yisrael Mitzius Amiti, the Jewish people, Klal Yisrael, is a reality in this world. And what gives the Jewish people our status in this world as uh, a mitzias amiti, a true reality, meaning an eternal reality, is because we are banim atem l'ashem alokechem. We, what does it mean to be a son? Now, obviously, uh, I don't want to confuse Christian theology here. We don't believe we're actually children of God. What does it most mean when he uses that imagery to describe we are banim atem l'ashem elokeim? The same way that a father, together with his wife, a husband and wife, mother and father, birth a child, give the genetic material from the parents, come the child... When Moshe uses the language and says, you, the Jewish people, are banim atem l'ashem elokechem. You're like children to Hashem. It's alulim min Hashem isbarach. It's we are the outgrowth. We were created by and through Hashem himself. And that's why we are called banim. Lefikach, therefore... Again, he speaks about it through great length. I'm gonna just, I'm just the tip of the ice, uh, uh, the uh, the iceberg, just to touch on on his concept that he's describing. Therefore, you cannot cut yourself for a mace. You cannot uh, excessively grieve la asos hashchasa, because a hashchasa is for a davar she'en lo mitzius amiti. 
when you cut something, so uh, or when you grieve in such a way for something, it's something which doesn't have an existence, an eternal existence. But Yisrael, which is Nikra'im Ban, we who are the children of Hashem, who are connected to Hashem in a real spiritual genetic kind of way, it's, it's inappropriate to grieve, and it's inappropriate for us to be split in any way, Hashem himself is one, what he created should be echad, and we can't split, not in mourning over the loss, which would be a, a, a splitting of sorts because midos of din and rachamim, and we can't be split in the way that we uh, behave and treat ourselves. All of those things are reflections of coming, being manifestations of the mitzias that Hashem himself created. Okay, that's, I, I didn't do a good job of explaining that. That's because I don't fully understand it, but we'll leave the morale uh, where it is. Two more Gemaras that I just want to share on, uh, on these psukim um, and the lessons that, uh, that we learned. There's a, a fascinating machlokas um, between Remeir and Rebbe Yehuda that the Gemara Masechus Kedushin records. Here we have a puzzle, your children to Hashem. So the question is, does being children of Hashem and having this special status, does that have any strings attached, so to speak? Are there any requirements from our end to uphold to be called Banim Atem Lashem Elokeichem? So Rabbi Yehuda says, yes. Yes, you can't walk around with that title, Banim Atem Lashem Elokeichem, children to Hashem as princes and princesses of Hashem, for nothing. It doesn't work that way. Rabbi Yehuda says, when you act like sons, when you act like a prince and a princess, but you'll be called Banim. This is not an all-inclusive, you're forever a son. You have to hold up, uphold your part of the deal. You have to act like children to be called Banim. And if you're not acting like sons, you're not upholding Torah, mitzvahs, all the things that are required, we're not acting like the princes, princes and princesses that's required of us. You won't be called Banim anymore. This is a deserved, earned title when Hashem says, That's the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Meir comes and says, Rabbi Yehuda, you're wrong. This is Moshe telling us who we are. And we are sons of Hashem in the same way a human mother or father give birth to a child. That child will be a child forever. There is nothing that the child can do to not be that parent's child. We can disown. You can throw a child out. You can stop speaking. We can do all the terrible things that happen in the world, unfortunately, between parents and children. But you can never not be their child. It just doesn't work. You are. Says Remeir, this Pasuk, when Moshe says, is the same. Whether we fail miserably as Jews, whether we have done everything wrong or we're doing everything right, we are always called Banim Tashem. As the Pasuk says, Banim Lo Bam, quoting a different Pasuk from Parsha Sazina, which we'll get to in a few weeks, we are and always will be children to Hashem. That is the opinion of Rebbe Meir. On this, there's another discussion, which is really fascinating to discuss, which is in Meseches Bava Basra, where this is going to come up again, this idea of how does this fit, this idea of being called children Tashem. The Gemara there is discussing the mitzvah of tzedakah. 
which uh, the Gemara discusses in many different um, instances. And the context of this particular in, uh, discussion is an um, argument that was put forth before Rabbi Akiva by a non-Jew, a Roman general known as Torfus Rufus. Torfus Rufus, Arash of the Wickets, Tyrannus Rufus, um, this Roman general, asked Rabbi Akiva the following question. And he asked, According to you, uh, you Jews, it sounds like God loves the poor. Find so many psukim in the Torah that we're required to take care of the poor, that Hashem is ohev gerv, loves the convert and the almana and the widow and the orphan all the time. So, so uh, Tyrannus Rufus, this Roman uh, general, asks Rabbi Akiva if it's really true that Hashem loves the poor so much, so why doesn't he take care of them? Why does he leave them out there in the streets? Why does he leave them hungry and poor and destitute? If he loved them so much, he should take care of them, no? It's analogous to the question. This is the, uh, many of you probably have seen uh, Rabbi, Rabbi Dr. Uh, Abram Tversky. Uh, has had a clip that goes around many times. He talks about people who say, I love fish. I love fish. That's why I eat it for lunch. I eat it for dinner. I love it. So Rabbi Tursky would say, if you love fish so much, so you wouldn't eat it for your own personal pleasure killing the fish, you would let the fish swim in the pond. When you don't love fish, you love yourself, is the way that Rabbi Tursky uh, would discuss when a person says, you know, I love that. Do you love yourself or do you love the object that you're consuming? So Tyrannus Rufus asks Rabbi Akiva, if Hashem loves the poor so much, let him take care of them. Rabbi Akiva answered and says, He does love the poor, but he doesn't take care of them so that we should take care of them. And we, in taking care of the poor, will be saved from the judgment in Gehenim by the merit of taking care of the poor. That was Rabbi Akiva's response. Of course Hashem loves the poor. He gave it to us, the merits that we should save ourselves by being able to take care of them. Says Tyrannus Rufus, Adarabba, just the opposite. That's a terrible argument, Rabbi Akiva, he said. You're taking care of the poor is what's going to put you in Gehenim. Taking care of the poor is going to put us in Gehenim? What did he mean? So the Gemara says, the Roman general said, I'll tell you a parable. I'll give you a parable to a king who was Ka'as al-Avdo, who got angry at his servants. What did this king do who got angry at his servant? He threw him into jail. Vitziva, he commanded the jail keepers, Shelo laha'achilo, velo laha'ashkoso, do not give this servant of mine any food, do not give him any drink, I'm angry at him and I've thrown him out of my presence. One person saw this poor servant wallowing away in, in jail. He wasn't being fed. He wasn't being given to drink. He felt terrible for him. So uh, he distracted the guards and he was able to sneak in some food to this servant. That's what one, well, you know, one person was able to do. Says the Roman general, If the king hears about this, Won't he get angry at this, this member of his, uh, of his kingdom? The king put the servant in jail. The king wanted to punish him without food or drink. And then this one guy went around his back and provided food and drink for the servant that made the king angry. The king won't be even more angry at this person who gave the food and drink. 
And then the Roman general concluded his parable and said to Rabbi Akiva, you are called servants to Hashem. Pasuk says, Kili b'nei Yisrael avadim, because to me, the Jewish people are servants of mine. You're all my servants. And since you're servants, if Hashem made a person poor, if Hashem took away his means of sustenance, isn't it then that that's the way that he wanted it to be? And if you go around the king's back, and provide that poor person with food or drink. The king is going to put you in Gehenim. You think you're going to earn being saved from Gehenim by taking care of the poor? The Roman general said just the opposite. It's going to put you in Gehenim for going around the king's back and doing what he doesn't want to be done. That's his uh, parable that the Roman general came up with. Says Rabbi Akiva, I'll give you a different parable. Rabbi Akiva said, I'll give you a marshal to a king, sheyesh lo ben, a king who has a son, vikaas al bino, and he got angry at his son, and he put him in jail, and he commanded the jail keepers and said, don't give my son any food, don't give my son anything to drink. And a certain individual saw the prince wallowing away in jail, distracted the jail keepers, and gave the son food and drink. Kishishama hamelech. When the king uh, abates from his anger and he finds out that even though he would have had his son punished, this one guy made sure that the son was taken care of and is now in good health. Won't the king honor and send gifts and promote that person who was able to take care of the son that even when the king had gotten angry and had said, don't, don't, don't. But this person knew, I know, but this is the king's son. Va'anachnu, says Rabbi Akiva, kruyin bonin. Yes, there's a Pasuk that says we're like servants, but the Pasuk that we just spent this whole morning on says, bonim atem l'ashem alokechem. We're like children to Hashem. And therefore, if there's a person who's destitute, who's poor, who's out on the streets, and we take care of them, we're not destined, we're not destined to be given the reward for taking care of the poor. Sultanus Rufus said, nice job, Rabbi Akiva, but they're really, they're two psukim. One time you're called children and one time you're called servants. Which one is it? Are you servants, Tashem? Or are you like children, Tashem? Now we, uh, parenthetically, as we're getting only a little bit more than a month away from Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, that's why, how do we daven Tashem always? Avinu Malkeinu, our father, our king. We recognize it's a complicated relationship we have with Hashem. It's multifaceted. On the one hand, we are children. On the one hand, we are like servants. So Tarnas Rufus, the Roman general, says to Rabbi Akiva, trying to deal with this dichotomy, are you like sons or are you like uh, servants? So he himself said the same drusha that Rabbi Yehuda started with. It must be like this. It must be when you're doing the will of Hashem and you're living in the land of Eretz Yisrael and you're in control and you're the government and everything is the way it should be, then you're called sons. But when you're exiled, when you've been thrown out of the palace, when you're not doing the right things, you're not fulfilling the Ratzon of Hashem, the will of Hashem, then you're going to be treated like servants. Isn't that the right way to deal with the dichotomy between sons and servants, that it depends if we're behaving correctly? And therefore, now that you're in exile, the Roman says, now that we're in control, you're treated like servants, and therefore it's wrong to give tzedakah to those who need 
Akiva says, no, I disagree with you. Like Rabbi Meir said, we are always called sons of Hashem. And Rabbi Akiva concludes with a different Pasuk from Sefer Yishayo, the book of Isaiah. Hello, paros lira ev lachmecha. Always you will break bread for those who are hungry. Ve'aniyim mirudim tavibayis. And those who are wailing and poor, you will bring to your house. Always. Uh, even now, Rabbi Akiva concluded, we always have the obligation to take care of the poor because we are always like the children of Hashem where the king will be happy and will reward us for taking care. And that was Rabbi Akiva's response that even though Hashem loves the poor, he left it for us that we should merit being saved from Gehenim by taking care of his sons and gave us the opportunity to do so. There's much to talk about the mitzvot tzedakah and, and how that works, but I wanted to share that simply because of the way that this pasuk plays a prominent role of banim atem l'ashem elokechem in that. I conclude again with the words of Perkei Avos. How beloved are we to be called children to Hashem, an extra measure of love that Hashem expressed to us by telling us that we are indeed children to Hashem. And because of that, despite the fact that children do not always understand the behaviors of their parents, but we know that it is done with love. And so when we don't understand it, specifically at the time of a funeral, we make the bracha of Dayon HaMS. We recognize Hashem as the true judge, which we don't understand, but we cannot excessively grieve. To grieve, of course we do. That's the most human thing in the world, is to mourn a loss. But it can't be to the point of cutting ourselves. It can't be where we, ex- we don't understand, as the Ramban says, that the soul is actually eternal. And the pain and the loss that we have now is a temporary pain. For us, it's enormous. There's no question. But the soul itself is eternal and therefore we cannot excessively grieve. And as the Gemara Darshans, that's really why as a people we need to keep together. We need to be one. And we can't have, out of coming out of the same based in different practices. It looks like there are two different Torahs. It's one Torah. It's one people. It's one God uh, all together. Um, uh, as we do, and uh, as uh, as Reb Meir teaches us, we are we are always will be children, Tasha. No matter where we are in the world, however long the exile has been, Panimatem Lashem Elokechem, you are indeed children to Hashem. Wishing you all a wonderful day.